Well, welcome everyone. Uh, it is a joy to have you here today at the Well and the Well Cafe. My name is David. And I serve as a senior pastor here and delighted to have you today. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Galatians chapter 3. Uh, if you did not bring your Bible today here in the chapel, there is a blue Bible in the seat in front of you, and there are some upstairs as well. And the Well Cafe would love for you to turn there. You'll see the page number for Galatians chapter 3 in those blue Bibles on the, on the screen there, page 1810, I believe. Um, I want to welcome you if you're a first-time guest. I also want to say we're to welcome to those. Uh, I've seen several of uh, our college students who are home for the holidays uh, this weekend and uh, delighted to have you today. I know many of you are heading back uh, to uh, your places of education uh, this, uh, this afternoon, and so we pray uh, safety uh, for you as you travel and just want, want you to know we're proud of you and we're praying for you. And, um, I'm excited to share that with you. Um, if you. If you would, would you just turn to the person next to you and pat them on the back and say, good job. <laughs> Do that upstairs too. Just say, good job. That's great. Now let me tell you what that's for. Good job getting out of bed today <laughs> and getting out in this cold, wet weather and coming to church. Um, here's what that reminds me of. It reminds me of how blessed I am when I know someone has gone out of their way to bless me. You know, when my kids do something that is uh, not in their normal routine to bless their dad, I mean, that means the world to me, and I, I know it does to you, right? I think that's how God feels on a day like today, when it would be easier for you to stay at home in your PJs and, uh, and just drink a nice warm cup of coffee or hot chocolate, and, and, and that would be it. But to be here and to say, I want to be here to worship God, I, I think that blesses God. And so that's why I want you to share that good job with one another. Thank you for, uh, for being here today. My, my family returned uh, from Disney World. Uh, we got back on Friday evening and had a great time. I, I put on Facebook, this is the first time I've been in the Dis Disney World with an activity tracker so I could track my steps and how far I walked. And if you're, if you're curious, over the course of that trip, I walked 111,656 steps uh, and those are my strides, by the way. So about 300,000 for my son, uh, the seven-year-old, with his shorter stride. That was 58.89 miles is how far we walked, with, which is really impressive until you consider we, I also ate just under 2 million calories. <laughs> so when you look at the intake side, it doesn't work out too well. But, uh, but we had a great time, great Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving as well. Uh, excited to be here uh, with you today as we begin this new series. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I went to the home of a, some a family in our church, uh, and we brought them dinner. We did so because we wanted to bless them and just celebrate with them because they just welcomed their third child. Uh, so they'd been home for a couple days, and we brought them dinner, got to see big brother and big sister, and to say a prayer of blessing for their for new baby girl and just to visit with them for, for a little while. And of course, as, as that conversation progressed, the moms started to talk about mom things, and the dads started to talk about dad things. And so what dad and I began to talk about was all the new gadgets that are now available to to newborn families. And so, you know, uh, I was impressed that now, you know, baby monitors, it's not just audio, it's all tied into your mobile device and there's video. And so you can check out what's happening in the crib while you're sitting at the kitchen table or while you're at, while you're at work, you know, sitting at the office, you can have that little, little video there. The, the other thing that they had that I just thought was so cool, I, I got to tell you, I hesitate to show this to you. Because I'm really, I'm really worried that in nine months we're going to have a lot more kids. Like, y'all are going to be so excited about this. You're going to have kids just so you can buy this. But you don't have, let me just, let me just, we're going to have a moment together. This is the Mama Roo 
infant seat. Okay, I, want, I just want you, to, I want you to see this. Look at that. that baby's being so good. There's no, there's no crying. There's no smell. I mean, it's great. Kangaroo, just in case you don't have a kangaroo sitting around the house. To, uh, let me read you, the, as that keeps playing, let me just read you the product, product description for the Mamaroo infant seat. It bounces up and down and sways from side to side, just like parents do when comforting their baby. Select from five unique motions like car ride. So in other words, you no longer have to get in the car and drive around the neighborhood to try to get your, your kid to fall asleep. Car ride and tree swing and five different speeds. Choose from four built-in sounds or connect it to any MP3 player. So you don't have to listen to that same song over and over and over again anymore. The seat reclines to multiple positions to allow baby to lie back and relax or sit up and play. The Mama Roo is now Bluetooth enabled. So you can control the motion, sound, speed, and volume from your phone or any smart device. You don't even have to get up off the couch anymore. You, you don't have to walk over to the swing and start winding it up. You remember that? You know, the, the winding swing. Oh, you don't have to do it anymore. Isn't that amazing? I mean, some of you want to have kids. You, you, you want to have another kid just so you can get the mama room. You don't have to. Just buy it. Put your cat in it or something. And just watch him swing. Car ride. Tree swing. Way. It's amazing. I mean, just this new stuff they have for kids. There's all sorts of new things for newborn babies. But, but here's what hasn't changed in baby world, okay? Uh, if, if you have had the opportunity to welcome a new child home and to, to walk through that experience of, of those first difficult six months or, or a year, however long it was for you, and here's what hasn't changed. A, a baby changes everything about your life. Are, are there any parents who would just say amen this morning? A baby changes everything about your life. It's, it was true for the parents that we went to see just a few weeks ago. It was true for us when we welcomed both of our children home when they were born, and it was true for Mary and Joseph when they welcomed their first child. A baby changed everything about their life. But of course, at Christmas time, in the season of Advent, as we prepare for the birth of Jesus, one of the things that we remember is that the birth of Jesus was unique in this way, that it not only changed the life of Mary and Joseph, but we believe it changed all life. We believe it changed all of humanity. It changed everything about our world. And so as we prepare for Christmas this year, what we're doing is we're simply pausing and remembering how life and how our world has changed because of Jesus. What is it about life today in the new world that has been created through his birth, his life, his death and resurrection? What is it that is different about our world today because of Jesus? How did this baby born in a Bethlehem stable, how did it change everything? about our world, not only the lives of those two parents, but all of us, all of our lives forever. And so that's really what we're going to be doing in this series. So I, I told you up front, we're going to look at Galatians chapter three. And some of you, if you're like professional church growers, you were thinking, wait a second, it's Christmas. He's supposed to be reading from Luke chapter one or two, or maybe the first couple, couple of chapters of, of Matthew. Well, here's why we're not going to, to start there. I'm actually going to read to you from Luke one at the end of the message, but here's why we're not starting with the Christmas story today. To, to help you understand that, I need to give you a little bit of a New Testament lesson, and I promise this won't hurt too bad, okay? So just follow with me. There are 27 
books of the New Testament, okay? Of those 27, four of them are the Gospels, okay? So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you want to read the Christmas story, okay? So if it's Christmas Eve this year and, and you're trying to find the Christmas story, don't go to the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of John because you won't find it. Mark is so excited to get to the meat of the story that he skips the birth narrative. And John tells the story of Jesus' birth, but he talks about the significance of it rather than narrating the details of that. The Christmas story is in Matthew's gospel and in Luke's gospel. That's where you'll find that. You have four gospels, and then you have one sequel. You may not have known this. Acts is a sequel to the gospel of Luke. It was a good bestseller, and so Luke wrote another one, right? Okay, so uh, Luke is the story. The gospel of Luke is the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Acts is the story of the birth of the church, the acts of the apostles, those first followers, as the church was born and it spread uh, throughout the known world at that time. Then you have 21 letters. And the reason that we refer to them as letters is they were, in their original form, a letter written from an early church leader like Paul or James or Peter or John, sent to different churches in different communities. Now, often these letters were sent to a particular community, and then they were passed on to other communities that were nearby. And so a letter that may have been written, for instance, to the, uh, the church at Colossian, uh, Colossians was also passed to other churches from these, these early leaders. And then you have one final book that we would just put in the category of other, okay? That's Revelation, okay? Revelation is in the other category. We would refer to it as apocalyptic literature, which essentially means this, it's weird, okay? It's weird. It has lots of metaphor and symbolism. It's why we're so fascinated by the book, but it's really a totally different genre of literature than these other books that you see. Now, why do you need to know that? Because when you look in the New Testament, we're, we're often led to believe that, they're, that it's organized chronologically. In other words, well, Matthew was written first, and then Mark came along, and then Luke, and then John. That's not actually what happened. Most of these letters, the 21 letters, were written before the Gospels were written. So the letters are some of the first recorded writings of the early church. And when you look at the letters, what you find is, whether it's from Peter or Paul or James or John, is you find these early church leaders trying to understand and reconcile how the world had changed because of Jesus. Now, the Gospels were written after the letters, and they were written as those first followers of Jesus began to die. And, and people, in their wisdom, recognized that the story of Jesus needed to be recorded. And so Luke, for instance, Luke was a disciple of Paul. He was a traveling companion of Paul. And so we have 13 of these 21 letters that we know were written by Paul. Luke, as a companion of Paul who traveled throughout the world, he is the one who brought together, uh, one of the four who brought together the story of Jesus' life uh, that we find in the Gospels. But these letters are some of the earliest writings. So when we look at Galatians chapter 3, what I want you to see is that this is the early church trying to wrap their head around how the world has now changed because of what Jesus has done. So with that in mind, listen to Galatians chapter 3 and what Paul writes here as he speaks about the significance of this transformation that has happened. Verse 26, Paul says this, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. 
Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So what Paul says is because of what Jesus has now done, the divisions that used to define us are no more. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. There is this unity and equality of all people before God because of what Jesus has now done. This is the new world. This is the new world that has been born by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, let's just pause and talk about one of the challenges that you and I face in trying to understand this new world. One of the challenges is that we live in this new world. And when you live in the new world, it's sometimes hard to recognize the old world. And you've experienced this in your life, I guarantee you. You've gone through some transitions, some transformation in your life, where on the other side of that change, you can't even remember what life used to be like. Let me give you an example. So six months after I got married, my wife and I made a trip back to College Station to visit some of our friends who, who were still in college. Uh, and we went to the house that I had lived in in my junior and senior year. Some of my roommates were still there uh, at a and finishing up their degrees. And a few more guys had moved into that house. And so we went to visit them and just to, just to connect. And when we left that house, I was kind of quiet as we were driving away. And my wife said, is something wrong? What's bothering you? And I said, well, I'm just kind of disappointed in the guys. And she said, why? What are, you, what are you talking about? I said, I just can't believe how they have let that house go. I mean, it, it's just disgusting. I can't, I mean, it's, it's just so dirty and nasty. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like nobody has done anything since I left. It just looks terrible. I couldn't believe it. Uh, that smell. I mean, where'd that smell come from? I, that's just awful. And did you go in the bathroom? I mean, when was the last time that thing was clean? It was just gross. And she just looked at me and smiled. And she said, nothing has changed about that house. <laughs> It was exact, it was, that's exactly how it was when you lived there. Nothing has changed. The smell is the same. The bathroom is the same. The, the, everything is exactly the same. But, of course, something had changed. I had changed. I, it, living in my new situation, we had a different understanding of, of how the house was supposed to be organized and what the, what the level of cleanliness was. And I'd gotten used to that new world in which I was now living, and I couldn't even recognize the smell of the old world. And you've had that same experience in your life. You, you've transitioned, you've changed, and from the perspective of the new world, sometimes it's hard for us to recognize what the old world used to be like. Thomas Cahill is a historian who writes this about these words that Paul records in Galatians chapter 3. Speaking about the significance of, of these words, he says this, Christ eventually leads Paul to thoughts that no one had ever had before. Thoughts about the equality of all human beings before God. In this ancient world of masters and slaves, conquerors and conquered, a world that articulates at every turn precisely and publicly who's on top and who's on bottom, Paul writes the unthinkable to the Galatians who may just have been goofy enough to receive it. There is neither Jew, there's no longer Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I want you to hear that one more time. Christ 
eventually leads Paul to thoughts that no one had ever had before. It was a brand new idea that was birthed into the world through Jesus. That all of these divisions that had defined uh, the world, that, 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 that had defined the way they thought about one another and the way the world worked, in Paul's writings here in Galatians chapter 3, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a brand new thought entered into the world. A brand new thought about the equality of all human beings before God. And all of those things that divide us and separate us, the labels that we, we, we tend to, all those are now gone because of what Jesus has done. Now, a little over 1,700 years later, uh, a man named Thomas Jefferson would write this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, right? Uh, it, it's part of the founding documents of our nation. But, and, and, and as citizens of this nation, people who live here, we, we are sometimes tricked into believing that, that Jefferson just came up with this really cool new idea that no one had ever heard before. But, but in reality... That notion that is a part of, of who we are as an American people, it actually comes from, it originates in the writings of Paul. Now, don't miss this. I really want you to catch this because this is really, really important. Here's what that means. This idea of the equality of all human beings before God is a distinctly Christian idea. That means it belongs to you and you more than anyone else as a follower of Jesus. One of the things that you are responsible for and one of the things that I am responsible for is defending and protecting the idea that all people, all people are equal before God. That because of what Jesus has done, because of how Jesus has, ha, has transformed human history forever, there is no longer these divisions that separate us. We are all one in Christ Jesus. The, the slate has been wiped clean. We all start at the same place. By grace, we have been set free. And this is what the new world is all about. And that is a distinctly Christian idea. Though it is woven together with our, our national heritage, it, it comes from this portion of the scriptures, and it comes from the life of Jesus. That there is an equality of all people before God. Now, if you know your American history, I mean, even at all, you know that we haven't always lived up to this ideal. You, you know that, that the history of our nation is filled with, with situations and circumstances and, and, and periods of time where there was great struggle around this particular idea. And the same is true when you look at Christian history as well. That followers of Jesus have not always lived into and understood and lived out this ideal that we are all one, that we're all united because of Christ Jesus. There, there is within our history... Moments and situations where we've not always lived up to this idea. In other words, we might say it this way, that while we are living in the new world that Jesus has created, the old world still lingers. The old world still lingers around us and in us. 
as, as we seek to live as followers of Jesus in this new world that he has now created. I wrote most of this message uh, week before last because I knew this last week uh, there wasn't going to be a lot of time while running around uh, the Magic Kingdom and all the other parks to, to work on this sermon for you. And so week before last, if you were watching the news, you know what dominated the news. You know that there was many, many stories that talked about the aftermath of the, the attacks in Paris, the, the search for those who per- perpetrated that crime. And, and then, of course, here in our country, if you watched the news at all week before last, and probably this last week, though I didn't watch as much, there was a lot of talk about refugees, Now, in reality, that's a situation that our world has been dealing with for many, many months. Uh, But it's it's something that has become more of a story here in the States here in in recent weeks. But I was in England back in August, and it was a huge story at that point. It's something that Europe has been dealing with for for many months uh, of how the world is going to respond to the crisis of people who are fleeing the violence and destruction uh, that is happening in Syria and Iraq right now. And the whole world is, is seeking to deal with this. And, and again, if you, if you were paying attention week before last, you, you know that there were lots of people talking about this. There were politicians who were arguing with one another. There was governors writing letters and presidents making statements. And, and if you dove a little bit deeper, you may have seen some statements from religious leaders who were, who were sharing ideas of what, how that Uh, interacts with our faith and and what we as people of faith should do. There was lots and lots of rhetoric, lots and lots of conversation around this this notion of of refugees. And and though it's a scary idea for us and we don't really know what to think, it's not anything new. It's something the world has dealt with over and over and over again as our imperfect and broken world has, has created or has allowed violence and destruction to take place in certain areas, leading people just like the mom and dad and the brothers and sisters that I saw a few weeks ago who welcomed that new child, just like them, who were running away from that, trying to find a place where they could be safe, where they could be safe, where they could be safe. It's, it's another reminder that the old world still lingers. The old world still lingers. And so if you were like me, you're, you're watching the news and you're hearing all these things and you're thinking, well, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right thing is. The world is much more complicated than I understand. I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know how to respond. All I know is this. I want to be safe. And I want my kids to be safe. And I want my, my community to be safe. And I want, I want my nation to be safe. And, and every time you, you know, the, 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 the circles get bigger and bigger and bigger as you think about those who belong to you. And that's, that's I think, how we respond. We just, and, and so in the midst of this, one of my friends put this on Facebook, and I thought this was really funny. If only we had a seasonally appropriate story about Middle Eastern people seeking refuge. Some of you will get that on the way home. That's okay. That's okay. If only there was like this story that we would come back to year after year that would remind us about people who were seeking refuge. People like Mary and Joseph who were refugees. Jesus was a refugee. Jesus was a refugee. Now, that was a kind of a chuckle moment for me when I saw it. And then it was also, it was also kind of a, oh, man, I got to think about that. I got to think about that. I got to think about that. Now, that, that's not, though you may receive it, that's not a political statement from your pastor. I don't make those kind of statements. But it is, it is a statement to say that how we talk about people matters. How we talk about people matters. 
and, and the way in which we engage that conversation, we should hold ourselves accountable to a high standard when we talk, when we're engaged in conversations where we're talking about other people, particularly those who are different than us. Do you know why? Because this belongs to us. This is ours. This comes from Jesus. The only reason that the world even has this notion is because of Jesus and because of his life. And so we should hold ourselves to a high standard when we think about those who are different than us, when we think about those who, are, who find themselves in need. And we should hold those who seek to be or are our leaders to a high standard when we're talking about other people. Because this belongs to us. This belongs to Jesus. Here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you just to turn uh, your bulletin over. And I want to, uh, on the back of that bulletin, I want you to, to draw a line, just like you see there on the screen. And on either uh, end of that spectrum, I want you to write two words. These two words define the old world and define the new world. So the old world was totally defined by this one word, the word fear. Fear. And the new world that, was, that, that came about because of Jesus is fully and totally defined by the word faith. Fear and faith. And, and here's what I have recognized, that in my life and in your life, as a follower of Jesus, every single day and in every single moment, we have to answer the question, which world are we living in? Are we citizens of the new world? People whose whole life is driven and defined by faith? Or are we citizens of the old world? Who, whose life is driven and defined by fear? And as you think about that spectrum today and where you fall in that spectrum, I want you to hear from Luke chapter 1. How this whole story begins, if you, if you go to Luke chapter 1, what you're going to find are two angelic encounters uh, between people and angels who come to bring good news. You know about one of them. You've, you've seen the Christmas pageant. It's Mary. The angel comes. You're going you're gonna to have a child. I know you're betrothed to Joseph, but the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to have a child. Mary goes, ah. You know, I mean, you know that part of the story, right? Well, there's one that happens before that. And it's the priest, Zechariah, who would eventually become the father of John the Baptist. That's the first one that comes. But in both of these encounters, here's how they begin. Do you know what it is the angel says? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because that's the old world. That's the old world. The old world is defined by fear. But the new world that is coming is defined by faith. And so what I want to invite you to do as we begin this Christmas season, as we think about how the world has changed and how our lives have changed because of Jesus, is I just want you to spend some time in prayer thinking about this question. Is my life right now being driven by fear? Or is my life right now being driven by faith? When you think about the behaviors of your life, those things that you find yourself doing, are those driven by fear or are they driven by faith? When you think about your thoughts, think about that, that uh, if, if, if you're like me, think about the things that pop into your head first thing in the morning. 
Are those thoughts that are born out of fear? Or are those thoughts ones that are born out of faith? When you think about the words that you find yourself saying the, uh, to one another, the words that you find yourself sharing with others, are those words that are born out of fear or are those words that are born out of faith? And what I want to invite you to do is just to spend some time in silent prayer today and asking the Spirit to help you understand whether your life right now is being driven by fear or being driven by faith. So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes and just in a moment of silence, I want you to prayerfully consider that question. Are you living right now as a citizen of the old world or as a citizen of the new world? Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, today we pause to ask for your forgiveness, to confess to you our sin, to acknowledge, Lord, our short-sightedness, to share with you, Lord, that we acknowledge and we recognize that often our lives, our behaviors, our thoughts, our our language is driven by those things that we fear rather than those truths that we believe by faith. And Lord, it's my prayer for myself and for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that as we begin this Christmas season, as we think about the joy of this month, while also acknowledging the insecurity of our world, that we remember that our lives are safe and secure with you. You, out of love, have come to save us and to set us free from fear. And so may we, Lord, in these weeks, as we prepare again to celebrate your birth, may we hear the voice of the angel that says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
Help us to hear the voice of faith, Lord. The faith that calls us to step beyond our own zones of comfort. To reach out in love. To reach out in a sacrificial way and in honor of how you have given yourself to us. Lord, we pray that you would silence the voice of fear. The fear that calls us to shrink back. That tricks us into living a small life. Help us, Lord, to be people of faith. Brothers and sisters who share a commitment to this new world that you have brought into, into being. Thank you for the gift of Christmas and for the baby that changed everything. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.